You're listening to the Fervent Church Podcast, a church in the Austin area who exists so that people may know Jesus. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged, challenged, and strengthened in your relationship with Jesus today. For more teachings, information, or to support our ministry, please visit fervent.church. We pray you're blessed by the message. So, Father, we thank you. You are good. Lord, we thank you for another week, Lord, of just surviving, Lord, right now. God, maybe we feel like we're just barely getting by, but God, I thank you for each and every moment, Lord, even if it was hard or tough, despite our circumstances, God, that we got through it, God, because you are good. And you've brought us to this point tonight where we're watching online together, God. And I believe that you have a word for each and every one of us, God. And I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what you want to say to us, that you'd give us a mind to understand and comprehend that what you're saying to us. And God, that you'd give us a heart with good soil, that that word would fall upon and that it would bring forth fruit, growth, Lord, and just just whatever it is that you desire, God, that you'd bring that forth tonight, God. So we give you this time. Um, Lord, I pray that you speak to me and through me and bless our time together on Facebook Live. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And we said, guys, come on, help me here. Type it in the chat. Amen. Amen. We are so glad that you guys are here joining us tonight. So we are in a series called Perspective. Perspective. And help me if you if you know a little bit of my series theme um, of what I've been talking about the last few weeks. If you know what I'm talking about, like our series thesis statement, if you will, help me out. Type it in the chat there. Um, But it is about perspective. Proper perspective leads to proper perception. And let me, let me, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Explain that for a second. For those of you who are joining in brand new, proper perspective leads to proper perception. And what that means is a proper view of something or someone or whatever Uh, an object, proper view, a proper perspective will lead to proper perception of that thing, which means a proper view of something will lead to a proper understanding. Okay. Does that make sense? Our view of something will yield our understanding of that thing. How you view the world is a good, is a great example because everybody has a view of the world. It doesn't matter if, you, if you're from the United States, from Africa, Asia, um, South America. It doesn't matter where you're from. It's like, but you have a worldview. And it doesn't matter if you can see or if you're blind. You have a perception of the world, an understanding. And some people, it's limited by sight, some of it by hearing different types of things. But man, we have a worldview. Maybe you don't understand this or know this, but you do. It's so true. If you are alive and active today, you have a world view. Um, it might be for a majority of us is a Christian worldview, but it's plagued with so many different types of influences, right? Some, some people have a Muslim worldview. Let's just be honest. It's a real worldview that people have. Buddhist, Buddhism, agnostic, where they just they believe there's a higher power, but they don't want to call it God. They don't want to call him Jesus or, or Buddha or, or Muhammad or anything like that. Agnostic, right? There's atheist worldviews, right? Where they just, they, I don't believe in a God or higher power or creator at all. There's um, not just atheist, there's pantheist worldview, where they believe in many gods. We're like, hey, Buddha's God, Muhammad's God, Jesus is God, everybody's God. There's a worldview um, really for anybody and everybody. And so this is why, and this is just a great example of why perspective matters. Because if we have the wrong perspective on life, on the world, we will be led to wrong perception, a wrong understanding. So if you have a a Muslim worldview, if you're joining us tonight and that's you, I want to say welcome, but I want to say your perspective is wrong. It's off. It's like there's more to it that you're missing. And so if you have the wrong perspective, it will lead to wrong understanding, which will lead to wrong motives, which will lead to wrong actions, right? It will lead to a life of believing lies. It will lead to a life of living lies or living for lives or lies, sorry, And then it will also not only lead you to believe lies or live a lie or live for lies, but it will also lead you to lead others to live for lies. 
Does that make sense? See, pr perspective is so important. Understanding who you are, understanding who God is, understanding what he made you for, understanding the world around you and that we're all sinners. Man, if we don't have that perspective, we're going to look at other people and we're going to be like, man, that person's so messed up. But see, if you have the proper perspective on life, we're like, hey, we're all sinners. We're all sinners saved by grace. It don't matter if you kill somebody, you lie to somebody, or you're just prideful and arrogant, right? God's like, you all are sinners and you deserve death, but I love you all so much that I sent my son to die for you. And so when we have that perspective, it's like, hey, you're a sinner just like me. I'm a sinner just like you. Welcome, right? And so then we can start to love one another as Jesus loves us. And so... That's just a little intro there, right? But perspective matters. Perspective matters. And so the last few weeks, what we've looked at is we looked at proper perspective and how it starts with a perspective of God, our creator, our savior. If we don't have a proper perspective of God and our savior, everything else will be skewed. Everything else will be off. It doesn't matter how hard you try to understand life and the purpose of it. If you don't understand who God is, you will miss life completely. Can I get an amen? That's something good right there. If you don't understand who God is, you're going to miss life completely. You're going to miss the blessing, the purpose-driven life that God has for you. Proper perspective starts with a perspective and understanding of God. Then what we looked at it was then, we, it, then perspective after we start with God, perspective moves to us. It moves to us. We got to understand ourselves. If we want a proper view of ourselves, we look to God to get a proper view of him, our creator who made us in his image. And then we all of a sudden understand who God created us to be. He created us in his image, right? He created us by him and for him is what scripture says. And so we start to understand, well, we were made by him to serve him for plans and purposes and for things that he, he laid out before the foundation of the world, I believe in Ephesians chapter 2. And so he says he, he made us for all these things. And so that shows us our perspective of him. And then it shows us our perspective of ourselves. that, man, we're here to serve him. We're a servant of God. Then the third thing, what we looked at a couple weeks ago, was after it leads to a perspective of us, leads to a perspective of others. A thankful perspective is what we called the message. A thankful perspective. And, and what I mean by that, what we talked about was Paul was thankful. He's in prison when he writes this. He's in prison and he doesn't open up. He doesn't say anywhere in this thing, says, oh, guys, would you just pray for me because it sucks. Hey, man, pray that they give us some good food and maybe we can get two meals tomorrow instead of one. Hey, pray that they would just uh, give us a shower. Or maybe he's like, hey, pray that they would let us out, man. They don't let us out and I only get to go outside for one hour a day, right? It's like he doesn't say anything about what's going on hardly. He barely alludes to it a little bit, right? And so, but he opens up and he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. And so he's like, he opens up, he's like, I thank God for you. And then he goes on and he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me is actually a good thing. I know it looks bad. The perspective that many people would take is, this is a bad thing. And Paul's like, no, if you look at it the right way, it's actually a great thing. It's actually God setting us up in a way that, man, it's just mind-blowing. And so, so he shows us this perspective that then leads us to see others um, as how God intends. And so with a thankful perspective, giving thanks, man, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that 20 of you are watching online right now, joining us um, on a Saturday night, and that many more will come to see this and hear this throughout the next week. I'm just thankful for that. And I remember I taught for Ignition Tucson, which is the ministry that I led for about six years. Um, I taught for them a week ago. And man, just so many, so much emotions and thoughts came about when I was teaching them. I mean, it was online just like you and I are doing right now. But man, I felt like Paul in that moment where I'm like, man, I thank God for you guys. Every time I think about you, man, I'm just excited. It just brings joy to my heart that the seasons that we had, the good, the hard, the bad, just those six years, every person that came through, the ones that were great and on fire for Christ, the ones that were like, just that, a pain in your butt kind of people, like everybody. I'm like, man, God, I'm just so thankful for it all. And I just feel like that. So per proper perspective will lead to thanksgiving. Thanksgiving comes from a place of remembering what God has done. Remember, all right? It's like we can't be thankful if we don't remember. 
So when like, I've given you guys the example where I'm like, man, I just don't want to go to work today, God. I just, I'm sore. I'm, I'm grumpy. I just don't feel up to it. But then when I remember, no, God, I prayed. Or first off, God, you called me to move from Tucson to Texas. And so I moved. And so God, where you guide, you provide. God, I pray that you'd provide a job for us. And this is the job that you gave me. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hot outside. Yeah, I work a ton of hours. But God, you've brought me here. And this is what you've given me. You're saying, hey, here it is. Take it. Take what's given. And so I'm like, okay, God, I remember. I prayed because you guided me here. And now you're providing this opportunity. God, I'm going to take it. And I'm thankful because you are the provider. I'm not the provider. God, you are the provider. And it brings forth this thankful heart, guys, this thankful heart. And so then the fourth thing, what we looked at last week is that perspective reveals purpose. Someone type that in the chat there. Perspective yields purpose. Perspective yields purpose. Let's wait a second. Perspective yields purpose. And I just want to hit a, hit one thought from last week. One thought and perspective yields purpose because when we have the right perspective, guys, that whatever we go through, good, bad, ugly, it is for Christ. It is for Christ. And that's one of the things that I try to drive home last week. No matter what we're going through, Paul's like, hey, I want you to know that this looks bad, that it looks ugly, but actually it's a great thing because it's a platform that God has given me. It looks like opposition, but no, it's opportunity to share the gospel. Man, yeah, you guys think that I'm locked up and that these people are holding me in chains. No, they're the ones chained to me. They're the ones who are about to get served. No, not me. Not me. Not today, Satan. No, I got a word for them. And he's like, in many People are getting hearing. People are becoming more bold to preach the gospel because they see me living out the gospel. And he says, my imprisonment is for Christ. Man, and if we can have that perspective that whatever we go through, coronavirus, man, me losing my job, me being laid off for a season, me having to do whatever, going through a season of sickness and trials, whatever the case may be, guys, if we can look at our situation and we can say, no, it don't matter because God is the God yesterday, today, forever. He is in charge. So whatever I go through, and we're going to even look at this tonight, whether by life or death, it is for Christ. It is for Christ. Come on now. And so tonight we're going to look at what I am calling um, eternal perspective. That's our message title if you take notes tonight, which you should because everybody knows that you're going to have to show your notes to get into heaven. Um, no, just kidding. Stupid dad joke, pastor joke. Um, but had to, had to put that in there, all right? But you should take notes because it does help you remember what God has spoke to you. It helps you to look back when you're like, man, I remember that one sermon in Philippians, man, where I wrote that one thing down, right? And you can go and look at what that one thing is and you can read it. So let's, uh, let's check out our, our text tonight. We're going to go back to verse 18 of Philippians chapter 1. For those of you just tuning in, Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. We looked at last week, Paul says, again, he says, I'm in chains, but it's actually a good thing. It's serving to advance the gospel, um, and people are just becoming more bold to preach Christ. So he's like, I know it looks bad, but it's actually good. And then he says um, that there's people out there who are preaching Christ uh, out of pure love, pure motives, um, and they're trying to just trying to evangelize, make disciples. And he's like, but then there are others who are preaching Christ out of rivalry and envy, which is never a good place to do anything, right? There, it's never a good motive to do something out of a, a, a heart of envy. Well, I want to do that, so let me just, or I like what they're doing, so let me just do that too to try and be as cool as they are, right? It's never good to do that. It's never good to do something out of a heart of rivalry where we have this competition going on. No, in the kingdom, guys, we're all on the same team, so it shouldn't be this thing where like, oh, I'm better than you and who can get the most likes or views and get out to the most people. No, it's just a thing like, hey, we are on the same team. Let's try to push the gospel forward. Let's encourage one another as the day draws near, right? As Hebrews says, gathering together more and more. And he says, let's just encourage each other. 
It's not a competition. So Paul's like, hey, there's people out there who are preaching Christ for good things and out of a good heart. And there's people out there preaching Christ out of a bad heart and bad motives. But then verse 18 says, what then? It says, only in uh, only that in every way, whether in the good or the bad, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Man, what a perspective, right? When we see people in churches that are kind of going astray, doing some things that we're like, eh, I don't know that they should be doing that. I don't know that that's the best use of their resources or time or their team, right? And we can criticize things all day. Um, but Paul's like, he's like, whether they're good or bad, and whatever the case is, he's like, they're preaching Christ. And in that, I rejoice. See, I think too many times in life, we spend so much time trying to criticize and critique, tear down other people's ministries where we try to say, oh, that wasn't biblical. Oh, that song was a little bit off. And oh, that song said this. Or man, did you see that sermon? And did you hear when he said this? You know how many times, guys, that people have sent clips of some of my favorite pastors that I like to listen to. They'll send me a 30-second clip of a message that I heard the whole thing. It was an hour-long kind of thing. And they'll send me a 30-second clip and say, did you know that he said this? And I said, did you listen to the rest of the sermon? It's like if you took 30 seconds of one of my sermons, you might think that I'm a drug addict, alcoholic, and that I'm so messed up and I shouldn't listen to a thing you say. It's like, yeah, that's who I was, but let me keep telling the story, right? It's like, so Christ, or, uh, Paul is like, I don't care whether it's good or bad or if you can find some good things or bad things, um, questionable things. He's like, my only concern is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being presented, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is going out. And so he's like, as long as that's happening, everything else, he's like, I'm not really concerned about it. I'm not going to write a big letter and trying to correct all of your doctrine and your thoughts about the other churches. No, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. That is a, that's part of an eternal perspective, guys. Now we could see some things and we could rejoice and we say, hey, that's not all the greatest thing, but hey, you're trying, you're preaching Christ. And hey, man, keep it up. Keep working. Keep moving forward. And he says this. He goes on. He says, yes, and I will rejoice. He goes on. Verse 19 says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit or and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that this will turn out for my deliverance. So he says, through your prayers, he's like, I rejoice. And he says, and I know that through your prayers and the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that this will turn out for my deliverance. And I just want to make a quick point right here. Prayer and the Holy Spirit. Can we just say this for a second? We need to understand this. Prayer and the Spirit brings deliverance. And that's not to say that our prayers are what fuel the whole thing. But I want to say this is that prayer matters. You need to have a perspective of prayer. If you're not praying, I, I just think it's a waste you are wasting your life. You are wasting your potential if you are not engaged in prayer, my friends. Prayer engages you in the spiritual warfare, in the spiritual realm around us, things that we can't see that's going on. Prayer engages us with God. Prayer brings us before the throne room of God with the Holy Spirit where God says, hey, even if when you don't know the words to pray, it says the inner, the, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf with groanings and things like that. So prayer and the Holy Spirit together can bring deliverance. See, God can't, obviously God can do anything. But the, the point that I want to make here is that, but God wants you involved. God can do anything. Yeah, we're like, well, God could heal the whole world of COVID-19 if he wants to. So why doesn't he do it? I'm not going to pray because God, God is God and he's going to do what he's going to do. But if you know anything from the Bible, if we can learn anything from people, it's like people who pray change the world. People who pray change the world. What was it in James chapter 5? It says that um, Elijah... Elijah is this great prophet from the Old Testament. It's like he is an OG from the OT. Like... He's, he's a big dog, you know what I mean? Anyways, he's like, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And so what he's saying in James chapter 5, he's like, Elijah was just like us. And it said that he prayed fervently that it wouldn't rain. And then he says, and then it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed, prayed again that it would rain and then it started to rain. And it's just a simple illustration, simple text that tells us that, man, prayer is powerful. If you're not praying, guys, you are wasting potential. God wants to hear from you. 
The scripture says that the effective fervent prayer, say that with me, guys, the effective fervent prayer. Mm. Woo! Fervent. We should name a church after that, huh? <laughs> the effective fervent prayer of the righteous man, help me if you know the rest, avails much. Man, avails much. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, man. It's not because of us. It's not because, oh God, I'm so good and because I prayed, you got saved, you got healed, right? It's like, no, it's because of who we are praying to. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you got in a fight or something, I mean, God forbid, right, that you get in a fight. But I've been in a few fights in my life and it's like you get in a fight, you are about to lose and then you call up your homies, you're like, yo, it's going down right now. Or maybe you couldn't say that because you're getting beat up or something. But if you could, you phone a friend, hey, it's going down, I need your help right now. They come through, they, they clean up shop and beat every, everybody up and then you're just like, did you guys see me? Man, I beat them up, guys, because of me, because I'm so great. No, that would be so stupid. Right? It's like, no, you called me, I came in, I came through, I did the work through your request, right? And so it's not about who we are necessarily, it's about who we are praying to. God Almighty, Yahweh, man, He wants to hear from us and He will move as we pray. As the church moves, He will move as well. So prayer plus the Holy Spirit, man, the potential is endless. Potential's endless. Verse 20, he goes on and he says this, that as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. Let me read the next verse. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he's, he's saying here, he's like, He's like, I know that through your prayers and the Holy Spirit, this is going to turn out for my deliverance. He says, it's my eager expectation. It's my hope. It's my, my deepest desire that I will not be ashamed at all. But he says, but with full courage now in my body, whether by life or death, he says that, that Christ will be honored. That Christ will be honored. If you guys are note takers, if you guys are Bible highlighters or underliners, underline that right there. It's that Christ will be honored in my body. Christ will be honored in my body. And that just brings about the question for us tonight is that is Christ being honored in your body, in your life tonight, today, this past week? Can you say that, that Christ through your life and the things that you did, that you, you went out, you worked, you know, you, the things that you said, is Christ being honored in those things? I can tell you guys from just my own personal failures that my, my whole week this past week has not been that. And, that. and that's something where I read this scripture. And man, this scripture, if, if this has been good, these last few series or even just or studies or even tonight, can you just type in the chat that, man, this is good, it's helpful. It's, it's, maybe it's even hurting you a little bit because it, God is using some hurtful conviction to bring uh, godly healing. For me, man, just as I'm diving into the scriptures and I'm reading through this stuff, I, I am finding myself just deeply in love with God and his word. I'm just like, I feel like this rejuvenized person um, on one hand. But then I feel completely like brought into the light and like convicted as well, where I'm like, like God, I'm I'm living for you, but dang, there's some some moments in my last week where I could have done better. And I think that's something that we need to understand is like God wants us, He wants to use us. And, and God knows us. All right. When you fail and you mess up, you gotta understand that God already knew that that was gonna happen. God knew you were going to fail. God knew you were going to blow it. Just like he knew Peter was going to deny him three times before he went to the cross. And it happened. So God knows that we're going to blow it. He knows that we're going to mess up. But then it's like, but God's perspective, um, I think of us as like, hey, but did you learn from it? See, it, we can take a, a negative situation or a negative moment of failure in life. And we can turn that into a successful moment in life if we can learn something from it. 
See, if your kid, if you guys have kids, right, if they tell a lie to you or they do something, right, my son's kind of being a little crafty in that area, right? My wife was telling me a story today that uh, she said, hey, you can't watch this show. Uh, it was just a cartoon show. I don't know which one it was. She went out to do a little workout, came back in, saw him flip the channel real quick. And this guy is three and a half years old. He's almost four. And he flipped the channel real quick. And she said, what are you doing? He's like, I'm, I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> and anyways, he's learning like to lie and be manipulative. But like we can turn that situation, a failing moment, if you will, into a successful one if we can properly discipline him. And I think that's what God wants to do in our lives. Like, hey, you failed here. You fell, fall down, fell down, falled. <laughs> you fell down. Um, but God's like, but you can get back up and you can learn so much from this moment of failure and next time this moment comes or this moment of anger or this moment of frustration or this moment of you name it, fill in the blank. He's like, now you know how to properly respond. And so, again, the question, is Christ honored in your body? Can you say that tonight? Can you, is that even your desire? See, if that's not even your desire, your perspective of life is off. Our life should be lived to honor Christ. And Paul says, by life, and death. What a crazy statement. That should be our eternal perspective, that Christ is honored in our life no matter what. Can we just say that? That Christ, let, let Christ be honored in my life no matter what. That's what Paul's saying. Like, I just hope with this hopeful, joyful, um, eager expectation that I won't be ashamed at all, that no matter what, Christ will be honored. Like, man, what a powerful statement. No matter what we face, Christ is honored. No matter where we go, Christ is honored. No matter who we are with. Man, so many times in life, like our, our attitudes and um, we, we change depending on the people we're around. You know what I mean? Like there's people, there's a guy um, at work who knows that we came out here to start a church and he, he even calls me Pastor Nick, right? Which is, is funny to me because I never set, told him or asked him to say that, but he calls me Pastor Nick and then I find him or I notice him. Um, he'll cuss or whatever. And he's like, oh, excuse my language. I'm sorry. You know? And it's like, it's just funny because like they change on the, on the, we change based on who we're around. We're like, hey, you're around a pastor. It's all of a sudden you realize all the cussing that you're, that's going on right now, right? It's like, so you're like, oh, I'm sorry. But then you're around your buddies and your friends who all cuss too. And then you're cussing and you're not sorry and you don't care, right? And so it just depends. So can we say though, like no matter who we're with, may Christ be honored. Even uh, if, it's, if it's worldly people, church people, uh, or anybody else, that Christ is honored. And it's, even if we die, that Christ is honored. I want to give you this example for a moment and just kind of paint this illustration. And if you have been in the military or you are currently in the military, can you give me a thumbs up, an American flag, a salute, or maybe you've been married to somebody in the military. Give me a little something or maybe there's a family member um, or a, a good family friend who's in the military. Give me a little thumbs up or some kind of flag, American flag, because I just want to use this illustration because I really believe I believe it's a great way to to paint the picture the attitude uh, that we should have of Christ I see a couple thumbs up there all right but anyway so in the military um, again if you've served or you are serving you, you probably understand this a bit that the statement that it is an honor to fight for my country Right. Have you heard that? Maybe you've even said that, right? I have friends who are in the military. One of my good friends, he's a Marine. Uh, he just got promoted. Um, and anyways, like the, the military mindset is just this idea of like, I'll do anything for my country because we are that great, because we are that good, because we have this purpose, right? And many would even say that it's not just an honor to fight for or serve my country. They'd say it's even an honor and a privilege to fight and die for my country, Right? So many lives have been given for our country, for the freedom that we, we enjoy today, for the, for the blessings that we have as American citizens. And so they, um, these military people, Marines, Army, Air Force, Navy, whatever, um, they pursue these things. They have these attitudes 
um, these mindsets set on freedom, pursuing our freedom. And really the, the whole thing is they have a bigger perspective in mind, a bigger picture in mind than just themselves. See, what, what would make a man or a woman committed to live and die for, our, for a country at all, period? Let me just ask that question. What would make a man or a woman so committed to live and die for a country, like going into the Marines, going into the front line, going into the Army, Navy, Air Force, flying jets over that could be hit and struck down, right? What would make people so willing to give their life? Let me answer that for you. Perspective would give that uh, w- would make someone willing to live and die for their country. Perspective, because perspective brings purpose. And so that there's this perspective of, man, what I'm doing matters. What I'm doing matters. It has purpose. It has um, weight attached to it, right? It's like their perspective that, hey, everything that I'm doing is, is bringing forth freedom. It is preserving our freedom here in America. That what we're fighting for, it matters. That, that we're not just out here in war for no reason, but that we are, um, man, we're, we're protecting our country, our rights from enemies, foreign and domestic. They have such a much bigger perspective than themselves. And so I think the military is such a great, great example and gives us a good, uh, idea of perspective that yields to a purposeful life. But that's a that's a worldly example, though, all right? And I, and I got to say thank you for your service. If you guys have done, uh, done anything in the military, um, present or past. But I think this is one thing we see with the military, too, and I think we could agree with, hopefully. Why, why do we see so many people from the military struggling with PTSD or depression or even uh, suicidal thoughts? Why do we see so many people, after they get out of the military, um, they, they struggle with depression, suicidal thoughts, things of that nature. And this is what I would say is because they feel as though they've lost their purpose. They feel as they're no more, they're, they're not being useful anymore, right? Before, like when they were giving up their life, they're getting shot at, they're getting hurt, breaking arms, breaking the leg, whatever the case is, it's like, they're like, hey, it's okay because it matters because I'm fighting for freedom, but when they're at the home on their couch or they're in their recliner and they're like, man, I'm, I'm sick, I can't move anymore, they feel useless. And so all of a sudden that brings a depression and different types of thoughts. And so, friends, this is what we need to understand is that our purpose, our perspective should start with God, obviously, right? And our purpose will be found at the foot of the cross. It's the same thing. It's like Jesus Christ wants to enlist you as a, as a member, as a um as a person, a soldier in his military, in his eternal uh, military, right? That is just, the whole mission is to bring freedom, which is just so funny, so ironic a little bit, right? Um, it's to bring freedom, to bring forgiveness, to bring life, abundant life, not just the pursuit of happiness, but to the pursuit of eternal joy, my goodness. And so our purpose is found at the foot of the cross that as Jesus died to set us free, that we might see that and that we might be on the greatest mission there is to tell the people the gospel, to fight, right? To live and even die for freedom in Christ. See, when we have the perspective of what I'm doing matters, then all of a sudden we're like, hey, whether I live or die, whether I go to prison or I'm not going to prison, whether I'm going to work or I'm going to school or I'm going to my family member's house, he's like, it is for Christ, that Christ would be honored in my life, in my death, whatever happens to me, he's like, it's all for Christ. See, Paul has a military mindset in that sense where he's like, I'm so focused on the bigger mission that, hey, I don't care about my comfort. I don't care about the little things in life. I just care that Christ would be honored. Whatever else happens, he's like, it doesn't matter. And so when you can view things with an eternal perspective like that, that that everything that happens to you, everything that you go through, uh, that it matters, and, and that everything that you do has a influence on others, all of a sudden it brings purpose and like nobody's business, right? Like, come on, man. When we have the right perspective that our life matters, 
then all of a sudden we can understand that, hey, every little thing that I go through, yeah, I lost my job, but what you need to understand is that people are watching you who also lost their job, and you say you're a Christian, you say that you believe in Jesus Christ, they're like, well, let's see how they respond. Because if they see you all shaken up and now you're going astray, now you're drinking more than you should and you've gone back to old ways and you're just a mess in life, they're going to be like, see, I thought you had the answers. That's what you told me before, right? Maybe some of you guys at work, you've had those conversations with people where you're like, hey, you're looking for the answer? I got all the answers you're looking for. It's in Jesus, right? It's like, but now they're looking at you for the answers to see them lived out. And if they don't see it lived out, man, they're going to be like, I don't want any part of that. See, we got to view life, every single part of life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the good circumstances, the happy, joy-filled circumstances, the bad, uncertain, scary circumstances, all of it, whether life or death, it should all awaken us with a perspective, a purpose that we're doing it for God, that we're doing it for Jesus. Can I get an amen? You guys tracking with me? I see a few thumbs going off and hearts in the comments section there. Oops, let me pick this up. My phone just dropped. But man, we got to have that perspective. Whatever happens, guys, man, may God be honored in my life. May that be our heart. But let's go on. Verse 22, he says that if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. So, Paul, for those of you guys just joining us, we're looking at Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 30. We're in verse 22, and he just said that whether I live or die, that Christ would be honored in my body. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he's like, if I'm living, I'm telling people about Jesus Christ, whether it's good circumstances or bad. If I die, I gain way more than I had here. Right? It's like I gain per, uh, a life. I, uh, I gain eternity with my Savior, my Maker, the one who died for me. Man, I get to be with Him. But he's like this. But verse 22 says, If I am to live in the flesh, he says that means fruitful labor for me. That's a perspective right there. That's a question to ask yourself right now. It's like if, if you're alive and what you are, because if you're watching this and you're breathing, um, you are alive, right? It's like, can you say that what you're doing in life, can you be like, hey, whatever I do, I want to be fruitful. Like fruitful in the terms of what God wants you to do. Not fruitful in building your own kingdom and your own wealth and your own security and safety, whatever. No, fruitful labor in the flesh. Are you living a life? of fruitful labor in the flesh for other people? That's the question. See, Paul's like, if I remain here, he has the perspective where like, I'm living for you guys. I'm living for you. And what that is, it's, an, it's a Christ perspective. And we're going to look at that more next week, but it's Christ's perspective. He was a servant. He came down to serve, not to be served, but to serve the lowest of low sinners, you and I, right? Isn't that crazy? So what Paul's saying is like, if I remain in the flesh, if I remain in this life, it means more fruitful labor for me with you. It means that we get to have more conversations, more counseling opportunities, more preaching, more letters back and forth, more church planting, more spreading the gospel and then being arrested um, by people because we're not obeying, obeying the, the rules and proclaiming Caesar is king, right? He's like, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Which is interesting because Paul's like, man, I want to stay here and I understand the good that it would be. But he's like, but I also just kind of want to leave and I want to be with the Father. And I think that's just a great desire, right? It's like it shows his desire. It shows his understanding of God where he's like, man, I just so want to be with God. Guys, I've been through so much. You know, it was in 2 Corinthians, he's like, I've been shipwrecked. Like, I've been beaten with whips. Like, I've been imprisoned. Like all these crazy things happen to Paul. And he's like, man, I just want to be with God. Can't it just be over? Right? Like after a hard day of work, you know what I mean? When you're like, man, you're the last hour or two. And you're like, I just can't wait to get home. I just want to be home with my wife and my kids. And I just want to be good. Right? It's like Paul's like, man, I just want, I just want to be done with this life of laboring because it's just so hard and exhausting. But and he's like, and I don't, I don't know what to choose. But it shows that he has this good desire, man, that he wants to be with Jesus. He just wants to, he wants to go home, and that should be all of our desires. That's like a good key indicator. If you are close with Christ and you have the right perspective, it's like your, your deepest desire should be like, man, I just can't wait to be with Jesus. 
You guys ever think that? Do you ever feel that way? I know I do. I feel like more and more, especially since we moved out here to Texas. It's just like, God, I just can't wait till you come back. I just can't wait. It's like, man, take me, my wife, and my kids. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get get to eternity. Let's get to this worship party that's going to last forever, man. I just can't wait to be with them where there's no more exhausting times of just being just totally drained of energy. There's no more frustrating times. There's no more sin. There's no more crying, no more heartache, no more, no nothing. It's just perfect worship and praise and glory to God Almighty. I can't wait. But is that your desire? Is that your deepest desire? Because if it's not, then there's probably a perspective um, that's off. You're not viewing life properly. You're not viewing God properly. And you need to realign that with scripture there. So Paul's like, man, which, I can, which I'm going to choose, I can't, cannot tell. But verse 23 says, I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, right? It's like, what better situation can there be than to be with Jesus, right? He says, but, verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. But to remain is more necessary. That's a question. That's something to underline there. I have that underline more necessary on your account. See, to have the proper perspective of purpose and what God's put us here for, we got to look at like, hey, what's more necessary for others? Paul's like, I could go be with Jesus. I could just make this Roman soldier so mad and angry that he would just kill me right now, right? He could just say, hey, man, you know, I know you said you was going to kill me if I told you about Jesus again. But hey, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. Man. Right? Maybe that, that's the case. I don't know. But, and, uh, but, but Paul's like, but to remain in the flesh, to be here is more necessary for you. It's more necessary for you. It's perspective. What's more important, my comfort or your salvation? What's more important, my comfort and me being in heaven in this painless, sinless place right now or your understanding and perspective of the gospel? See, Paul's like, it's more important that you guys understand this fully. So if that's the case, I'd rather stay here for a few more years so that you can know Jesus and know who he really is than me going to be with Jesus. And then you guys are just, you guys miss out. See, that's perspective. That, that's fuel for the fire. Like, why am I going through this? Well, we're going through it because other people are watching right now. And it's more necessary for them to see a Christian struggle, yet endure and persevere through some hardship, right? It's like it's more necessary for them to see that than for God just to come back and wrap it all up and then he takes you, but then they're left behind. No, they need to understand and see someone live it out. What's more important? Your comfort or their salvation. Man, so Paul's like, but to remain is more necessary on your account. Verse 25, convinced of this, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So he's like, hey, I'd rather remain. I want to teach you guys. I want to serve you. And really, Paul, again, he just has the, the mind of Christ, which we will look at more next week, but he has the servant mindset. He's, he's a servant leader, leading as a servant there. Verse 27, he says, Only let your, your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And so this, so this is another underlying um, sentence in here, guys. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Man, that's something to take to heart, guys. Something to ask yourself tonight, today, uh, whenever you're listening to this. If you're listening on the podcast years from now, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And is your life worthy? Are you living your life in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus? Just like Paul said, it's like my hope and my expectation is that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death, in whatever I do, whatever comes my way, that he would be honored. It's like, can you say that in whatever happens, that, that I would be able to stand unashamed in front of Jesus and say, man, I, I gave it all for you, Lord. May, may your life 
be lived in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. Another translation or way of saying it would be like, only behave as citizens worthy of the gospel. And I love it. In my studies this week, I was reading about how the, uh, the Philippians were a place, um, they were, they're a Roman colony. So kind of like, what is it, Puerto Rico with um, the United States, right? It's like they're, they weren't the United States, but now they're part of the United States. And so it's kind of like that. And so like people from Puerto Rico can be like, hey, yeah, I'm an American citizen, right? So people in Philippi in that day, they had the same kind of dynamic going on. Like Rome, they were a Roman colony, um, but they weren't always that way. But so then they were very excited and prideful even to be like, yes, I'm a Roman citizen. Yeah, I'm from Philippi. I'm a Roman, right? It's like, so they had this citizenship with Rome where it would bring forth this joy, this attitude of probably pride and different things like that. But Paul, he's, he's kind of picking at that a little bit. He's like, guys, behave as citizens of the gospel of Jesus. Don't be so concerned with being citizens of Rome and promoting their gospel or their good news or whatever you want to say. It's like, be concerned about living for Christ, being citizens of Jesus and citizens of heaven. And so that's really, that should be you and I tonight. How many people are so concerned and so consumed with being citizens of the earth, right? Of here, here and now, maybe American citizens, maybe you're watching somewhere else and you're some type of other citizen, but you're so concerned with being an American citizen and living the American dream and getting a big house, nice cars, a big family, a dog, uh, whatever, 401k, you name it, man. You get all these different things, but then Paul would say to us tonight, he'd say, stop being so worried about being a citizen of America and be worried and concerned about being a citizen of the kingdom of God. And he says, be concerned about this. Let your life be, be lived in a way that's worthy of the gospel. And he says, so that wh- whether I come or not, See, I love it. He's like, hey, it's my eager expectation that I'd be delivered from this thing and that I'm going to see you. But he's like, whether I come to you or not, because we got to understand, the, our plans are not certain. You know what I'm saying? It's like we say things. We say, hey, I'm going to go do this or that or the other thing, right? And was it in James? Um, he says, we should say, Lord willing. Um, Lord willing, I'll do those things or this will happen, right? Because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. So Paul's like, whether I come to you or I don't, because we don't know what's going to happen. He says, my hope, my desire, he says, is that I may hear that you guys are standing firm. Standing firm in one spirit, right? They're they're united. That I would hear that you guys are, are united in mind. That you are striving side by side for the faith of Jesus, right? That you guys are a team. That you're not fighting together. So he's like, man, I just want to hear that, right? And one thing I'm thinking about, is uh is a is work. I used to work at a restaurant. Any people work at restaurants out there? Uh, give me a little something. If you were if you worked at a restaurant, what was your position? What did you guys do? Give me a little something in the chat, or maybe you guys didn't. Um, I worked at a restaurant for I mean a few different restaurants, but one in particular I worked at for six years. I started as a line cook um, on the grill. Um, I went to being a busser to being a back server, or expediter, whatever you want to call that, to being a server um, for the last three years there in, uh, in my job at that restaurant. Um, anybody? Let's see what we got. You know it, Mike Schranz, my dog. You're going to get this one. Yes. Um, so what else we got? I used to be a busser. Bless you guys. Come on. Bus boy, bartender. That's what I'm talking about. I just got to say this, man. Some people, and you guys, you want perspective on life. Um, those of you with kids, um, that's what my mom did for me. It's like, make them work as a busser. Make them work as a dishwasher. Make them work as uh, whatever. Just something like lowly, hard work because it just helps you appreciate everything else, right? When people go into a restaurant, they never worked at a restaurant, they have no appreciation for the staff and they can't, oh, how could they do this? How could they do that? It's like, no, don't say that. Don't say that. They're gonna do something to our food. Trust me. I, <laughs> uh, anyways, but, but here's the example. As I worked at this restaurant, right? So in the side station, um, after your tables got their water and their food, different things, and you check in on them, we would be in the side station, right? I have my phone out, we'd be texting. You'd be texting, but you know you're not supposed to be texting because the boss told us in the meeting prior to 
um, that night opening, we have a meeting every single day. He's like, hey guys, make sure that you're not on your phones, that you're hard at work, that you guys are paying attention and whatever, yada, 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 right? And so we all knew those things. They were like in our mind. We could have we could have regurgitated that to him on the spot if he wanted us, hey, what was my meeting about? We, this is what it's about every day. <laughs> like it's nothing new. But yet every time the boss was in his office or he was away somewhere else, we're all on the side station doing what we know we shouldn't be doing right? Text messaging, goofing off, whatever the case is there. But Paul's like, don't let that be you. Don't let that be you, right? Don't let that be you. See, we're like, oh, you know, Pastor Nick's not here, so we can cuss or do whatever, right? And that's not even um, remotely what we need to understand. What I think so often we're just like, well, I'm not in church right now, and so I can get away with it. I can do whatever else I want to do. It's like, but we should be living in a life that's like, like living our life as if Jesus was in the flesh, watching every move we made, every word we spoke, every single thing, every moment. Like that should be our life. It shouldn't be like this, oh, the boss is away, time to play. No, it's like the, the boss is here. And you got to understand, man, Jesus knows everything that's going to happen. He knows everything that has happened. He says that he will hold us accountable to every word that we've spoken. And man, that's a crazy, a crazy thought to think. It's like he knows it all. And so, so often we think like, oh, we're getting away with it. And he doesn't know. No, Jesus knows. And so Paul's, his heart for these people is like, whether I come and see you or not, I just really hope that you guys are staying on task, that you're being united in Christ, that you're being united in mind, that you're being united in your faith together and that you guys are going forward. That's something too, it's just like, Paul's like, even if I can't make it, maybe I die. It's like, you guys can't let the the vision die. You can't let the mission die. You got to keep going on. And got to keep fighting. Fighting the good fight, he writes in another letter. Uh, Let's see here, last uh, couple verses, verse 28. He says, and not frightened in anything by your opponents, that... And he says, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. So, so he says, I hope that you guys would strive alongside of each other in the gospel, united in mind, united in Christ, united in faith. He's like, I hope that that's what I hear. He says, and I hope that I hear that you're not frightened in anything by your opponents. And so notice though here, this is not him saying, do not be frightened by anything. All right. It's like faith is not the absence of fear. We need to understand that. So often we think, oh, well, I'm fearful of something that's going on or something that could happen. And then we wonder, are we really in faith? It's like faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is moving forward in spite of fear. It's like, yes, I'm afraid because I don't know what's going to happen. Um, if you were to ask me and said, Nick, were you afraid when you went out to move um, to Texas with your wife and your kids and bought a house to start a church and you didn't have a job and you don't really have any means of income set up right now, um, I would be honest and say, yeah, I was afraid. There was some fear in that, but it wasn't going to stop me from living in faith. You see what I'm saying? It's like, I know God's called me to it and I know he's going to get me through it. And so it's like, God, it's like, I want to have this, this um, life where I push through it. So he says, not frightened in anything, but he says, by your opponents. By your opponents. Uh, some of our opponents, we could say, I mean, would be atheists, I think, would be a, an opponent. I think so oftentimes we see Christians who are afraid of atheists and conversations with atheists about life and God. And we're just like, we are afraid to engage into that conversation because we think, well, we don't know all the answers. And what if they say this? What if they say that? But we shouldn't be afraid of any of that because we're united in Christ. We're united in mind. We're united in faith. And so and we're living a life worthy of the gospel because we know Jesus is real and that he loves us and he has a plan for us. So we shouldn't be afraid to engage. We should just be like, hey, I'm going to welcome your conversation. And that doesn't mean that you know all of the answers or that you have to pretend like you do. But when they see a confidence in you that, hey, I don't know the answers to that, but I know the one who does, it's like they see that confidence. And all of a sudden, like Paul says, he's like, that's a sign to them of their destruction, but of our salvation. The confidence that we have in spite of fear in spite of not understanding everything. No, I can't answer every question. No, I can't tell you why bad things happen to good people, right? No, I can't tell you why coronavirus is here and killing people and making people sick and people are losing jobs. No, I can't tell you all of that deep down, right? 
But what I can say is that God is a good God who can turn the bad things and use them for good. He's the one who will bring beauty from the ashes, right? It's like, so we shouldn't be afraid of opposition or other, um, other religions, Jewish people, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness. We can even say Satanists, right? People who have all these other different world views. We shouldn't be afraid to talk to them about Jesus. No, that doesn't mean you, meet, you know everything. So don't be afraid to engage just because you don't know. It's like, just engage in it. It's like, hey, I don't know the answer to all these questions, but I'd love to try to work through them with you. Anyways, he's like, not frightened in anything. And it's like, when we have that confidence, when you have that confidence with, in front of somebody, when they're asking you these deep questions or they're just trying to jab at you and they're trying to bring you down and you still have this confidence and you can respond in love, enjoy and whatever it's like it again it's a sign to them of their destruction it bothers them i remember one time on fourth avenue in tucson which is like this whole um strip of bars and stuff not stripper bars strip of bars <laughs> okay i have realized how that might have been perceived which would be wrong perception of what i said but uh, I was down on 4th Avenue and a bunch of bars out there, right? And I wasn't down there to party, but me and some people, we were there to witness to, to people. So we're walking around, we're praying with people. Uh, we had a sign up. One of our signs that said, um, what did it say? Oh, it said, not every Christian is a Christian. And then we would ask people, say, hey, do you, what do you think about this statement? You know, and most people say, oh, I believe it's true. Well, why do you think it's true? And then they would say, oh, well, I just think a lot of Christians... Are, um, are hypocrites, um, different things like that. But anyways, I was talking with this one guy, right? This is like midnight, maybe one in the morning. This guy is drunk out of his mind. And I'm just talking to him about Jesus. I wasn't trying to push Jesus upon him. He was like staying engaged in the conversation. I'm like, well, if this dude's going to stay here and talk to me, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to take this opportunity. Did he bring questions my way that I didn't know or have answers to? Yeah, he did. But at the end of the day, he, this is what he said to me at one point. He said, man, I just want to punch you in the face right now. And I just stood there and I kind of laughed. And he said, you're not afraid? I said, no, no I'm not afraid of you. And for me, honestly, I was like, you're so drunk. If I just pushed you, man, you fall over and trip over gravity. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? But anyways, I was like, he was just so mind blown for that moment where he's like, what? Why aren't you afraid of me? I said, dude, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not afraid of you, man. Jesus loves you. You want to punch me in the face, punch me in the face. And it's like, I got punched in the face for telling someone about Jesus. It's like, that bothers people, though, when they're like, man, why do you have this confidence? It bothers them because it's a sign to them of their destruction. They don't have it all together. Anyways, let's finish this up. Verse 29, for it has been granted to you. It has been granted to you. Just write that down. Take note of that. It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, remember, I hope that Christ would be honored in my body, whether by life or death, um, I hope that to hear of you, that you're striving alongside, not afraid of anything, right? That you're living a life worthy of the gospel. He's like, he's like it's been granted to, you, granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but, but underline this, guys, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. For it has been granted to you. Whenever you hear that statement, right? It's like with the, um, maybe with the stimulus checks would be a good example in this day and age, right? It's like with the stimulus checks, we say, hey, it's been granted to you, right? It's like this grant or this bill, this stimulus bill plan, it has been granted. It is, it's passed. And we're like, oh, okay, it's been granted to us. So we think like, oh, it's a good thing, right? And it, it was a good thing. And we all got some money out of it. But so, so we, we think of this and we're like, oh, it's going to be good. And so Paul's like, hey, it's been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you don't only believe in him. How many people stop there? They're like, oh, I, I thought I was just supposed to believe in Jesus. And so what Paul's saying here is like, hey, that, that wasn't the whole thing. That's part of God's plan and purpose in your life. But he also has some more. He has more in store. God always has more in store. Right? It's like, so he's like, you're not just supposed to believe in him, but he says, but also to suffer for his sake. How many of you know that God's calling on your life, it, in, it involves some suffering? 
It involves some suffering. That's something, that's a hard pill to swallow because we don't like suffering. But again, he uses the word, he says, it's been granted to you. As if it's a good thing for the sake of Christ, because that is a good thing. And so just think of the perspective that Paul has, how, how grand his perspective is. That he has an eternal perspective, guys. That he's like, hey, it's been granted to you that you have the, essentially, he's like, you have the privilege to not only believe in Jesus, but you also have the privilege to suffer for Jesus. Isn't that a crazy thought? Wow. That you not only believe in him, but that you would suffer for him. Engage in the same conflict that I had and still have. And so Paul's like, hey, that you be engaged in the same stuff that I'm going through. That I've been in prison, whipped, beaten, shipwrecked. Um, and then he's like, and I am in prison now. He's like, that you're engaged in the same battle that's going on right now for lives. And so let me end with a few things here is that this, guys, is that in in eternal mindset will help us push through suffering. An eternal mindset will help you push through suffering. Can we write that in the chat? Can we take some notes for the people um, that don't like to take notes, right? It's like a, an eternal mindset will help you push through suffering. We need to understand this. Because otherwise, when we go through things like the coronavirus and losing our job and getting laid off and, and uh, we, we don't know how the mortgage is going to get paid, we don't know what's going to happen because our roommates left and went back home because they lost their job and different things going on, right? It's like, how can we push through these things? Well, we got to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. An eternal mindset, there, there we go, that's what I'm talking about. An eternal mindset will help you push through suffering. Because otherwise, suffering will feel so pointless if you don't have a purpose at the end. If you don't have that eternal purpose, your, your suffering will seem pointless. And so if we have the eternal mindset on, on our heart, on our mind, as Paul does, we can look at hardship and we can look at suffering and we can look at it the way he says, like, it's been granted to you. You have this privilege. You have this honor, right? How, how many Marines do you meet that like don't think that it's an honor to serve their country. Like, you won't meet one. And if you do, they probably got taken out of the military and kicked out. It's like mil Marines are like, man, it is an honor to live and die for my country. Right? It's like because they have the perspective that everything that they do matters. Whether it's little um, or big, different types of things, they're like, I'm a part of something. And so if we can have the military mindset when it comes to Jesus and Christianity in our lives and an eternal mindset, an eternal perspective, then all of a sudden it will just make everything that we go through. It's like, I'm not suffering for no reason. I'm suffering because somebody is watching and they need encouragement to, to persevere and per, uh, push forward, right? They need to see a, a, an enduring Christian, right? Um, Sorry, I got to throw in a CrossFit example for you guys. But there's this CrossFit documentary, and it's uh, it's amazing. I don't know if it's on Netflix anymore. Um, but it's about this guy, and he loses, or he doesn't lose. He actually comes in like second place like two or three years in a row. Um, and there's one guy, one commentator, I just got to say this. He says, like, you don't know how good you have to be to just suck at the CrossFit games. Like to come in second place, third place, 30th place in the CrossFit Games, you're still like the elite in the whole world. But anyways, second place every year, bugging him. He wants to be be better. But it's like like for, for an athlete like that to gain some perspective, to become better and to push forward, like they have to see somebody else do it. And so there was someone else, a guy in CrossFit, um, who, who won four years in a row. Um, Rich Froning, right? It's like he won four years in a row. And it's like, so what you want to do is like, how can I persevere and get better? It's like, you want to look at someone else who is persevering and is currently doing what you hope to do, who is currently going through a hard situation. Where am I going to find hope? Well, look to somebody who has hope in the midst of hardship and, and, and uh, what do you call it? Uh, and do what they do, essentially. So when we can look at this, like, why am I going through this? It's because people are watching and people need hope. People need encouragement that even in suffering, because suffering is a real, is a reality. Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation. So that's a promise, 
right? Like we like to quote all the good promises. It's like, oh, he has a life and a plan of purpose that he won't, that we're going to prosper and not to hurt us, not to harm us. But then what about Jesus when he says, no, in this life, you will have tribulation. But then he says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So what the world needs to see is a persevering Christian with a, an eternal perspective, an eternal mindset. And this is what we need to know as well. Type this in the chat. An eternal perspective will bring present or current perspective. I think that's, that's so good. I think that's the key to it. An eternal perspective will bring or give you a present perspective. Like you're like, how do I have, have perspective on life right now? Well, if you have perspective on eternity, it makes everything that you're going through now matter. So let's set our minds and our eyes on Christ this week. Let's have an eternal uh, perspective that everything that we face, everything that we go through, every temptation that we face, it, it all matters. It, it all is working to either, I mean, this is one thing that I've said to many of my students over the years is that we're all leaders. But the question is, is where are you leading people? Who are you leading people to? So everything we're going through matters. And so hopefully this week we'll look to, to set our minds and eyes on Christ more than last week, to, to seek to be fruitful and to honor Christ in everything, right? As Paul says, whether through life or death, that we would see, hey, even in one more day of coronavirus and stay-at-home orders and things being closed and social distancing and different things, even if that happens, may Christ be honored in my body, in my life. And may we seek, and this, this might sound a little crazy, but may we seek to suffer a little more for the sake of others this week than we did before. And what that looks like is seek to serve. Seek to suffer means seeking to serve. Because as, we, as we're serving people, right, we're kind of suffering. It's like, hey, it's not benefiting me at all to do this for you right now. But if we can have that mindset and that perspective, it's, that is an eternal perspective where we have eternity in mind, where I'm serving you to get nothing out of it but to help you get to heaven, to help you see Jesus through me, through my actions, through my words. Amen? May we seek to, to be more fruitful, see Jesus in everything, have an eternal mindset and perspective that everything we face matters. Everything that we go through matters. Our attitude matters. Our words matter. Our actions matter, guys. And so may we just seek to, to have an eternal mindset and live as, as he says, let your life, uh, or he says, only let your li- manner of life, sorry, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And may that be our heart, our prayer, our attitude this week. Um, amen. Amen. Man, yeah. Thank you guys for joining. Let's end in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, for it is good, and it is the word, the bread of life, God, and it, it, it is what we need. As you said, Lord, before, is that man does not live by bread alone, but by, but by every word that comes from you. So God, help us to live by your word, according to your word. When we mess up, help us to align ourselves with your word and repent. Lord, and just to come back to you and learn from our failures. Lord, may we live a life that is worthy of the gospel. May we seek that you would be honored in our life, in our actions, in our thoughts, or even in our death, God. That you would be glorified through everything that we do. And may you be where our perspective is. Lord, give us an eternal perspective. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.